This is OSLCC Chapter 25, Tracing Our Roots, celebrating 25 years of cultural centers. Broncos, some near, some far, but no matter where you are, we're speaking to you and we hope you're listening. And you never know, we might even be engaging with you real soon. Hello everybody, my name is Ken Cordero and my pronouns are he and his. I am one of the SJLs at APISC. My name is Christina. I am currently a junior. My pronouns are she, her, hers. We welcome you all today as we do a deep dive on the APISC's history and its mural. And today we have a treat for y'all. We have joining us. Hi everyone, Dr. Louis Amador. I was the founding coordinator of the Asian and Pacific Islander Student Center at Cal Poly Pomona. I, I was the coordinator for that center uh, starting in 1995, uh, all the way up until 2001. What was the campus climate like at the time of the center's inception? You, you know, those centers were created just like so many out of um, reaction by the administration to, to student concerns um, about a lack of equity and diversity in, you know, student services, in how students' voices were were reflected in, in the types of um, issues of the day. If you know any of the history, uh, it really started with our Latino population, our Latinx students really working with the administration for concerns about needing dedicated services and, and a space, a safe space for, for that population. President Bob Suzuki at the time met with those, those students. Uh, there were protests and in light of, of, of the protests and those conversations, the administration saw fit to create uh, not just the, the, the Latinx Center, you know, the Chicano Latino Center that, that stands now, uh, but um, other ethnic centers as well as the LGBTQ Center. At that time, there was not a lot of mobility in terms of, you know, social agency or the need for change uh, in all of the different groups. I think our, our, our Chicano Latino community were, was really mobilized. Um, our African American community had voices, but they were a very, very small um, minority. Uh, and at the time, actually the majority population was our API. You know, the, the centers I feel like were, were necessary because they, they created not just a safe space, but a vehicle in which to launch, you know, important matters of the day, um, an opportunity for students to kind of explore their identities and then to give them um, kind of next steps about, you know, how they can play a greater role um, in terms of the, you know, the, the decision making uh, within the campus. You know, and, and so I, I do really appreciate how these spaces have evolved and, and, and the type of um, the level of expectation uh, that the communities are, are demanding of our leaders, uh, of, of the people that, that are serving in that capacity. What spurred the idea of creating the mural? Now, the one center that had been around for a while, like we, our center was actually the, the, the newest. Irvine's had been around, Riverside's had been around, but Irvine's had been around for the longest. I think they were already in their 20th year. Um, and so we went and visited their, their, their center and they already had murals up. They had community murals. And I was just in awe. I was like, oh my gosh, I wish we could do something like this. Mm -hmm. um, 
right around the same time, there was a Filipino artist, Filipino-American artist, uh, Eliseo Art Silva, who had just finished um, this huge community mural for Filipino-American history and, and Filipino history in Little Manila, historic Filipino town in, in LA. And I was at a community event where he was actually selling a poster of his, his artwork. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I got to talking to Eliseo and, and I said, I would love to be able to do something with you. Uh, we have this, this, this center. Mm -hmm. um, and I was also working with a ethnic and women's studies professor, Dr. Haiming Liu. So I posed it to both of them. I said, what if we, what if we try taught, we all three of us co-taught a class on Asian American history where Haiming and I would, would do half the class on the history itself. And then Eliseo would be kind of the facilitator and the technical expert to get the students to, um, to actively participate in the creation of this mural. There's a plaque somewhere in the center and it has actually all of the students' names on there. Mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately, a couple of them have passed away since, but um, the, it really honors the, the work that they did as, as, as a group. And, and so uh, we started in the fall and, and I believe it was in the fall of 1996 or 97, we started the class. Uh, it's all becoming a blur for, for this old guy. Uh, Haiming and I taught the, the, uh, the book Strangers from a Different Shore uh, by Ron Takaki. We, we also talked about current issues that were emerging for, um, for Asian Americans at the time. Uh, one of which was the, um, uh, there was a sweatshop that had been uncovered uh, for garment workers in El Monte, which is very close to, to where the campus is. You know, one of the more prominent fashion designers, Jessica McClintock, had been uh, indicted about her use of that sweatshop. And we're talking about people, Thai garment workers that were chained to their beds that were literally like indentured and, and, and enslaved to doing this work. Um, and so there were protests. There's a, an image in that mural of, of a hand with a, a sewing needle and, and the thread turning into chains. And so that was a representation of, of some of the contemporary things that were going on. So it was a big, it was a good blending of both the historic stuff, but also the current things in, in, in the moment. Eliseo would then take from the conversations that we were having in the teachings of, of Haiming to basically visualize imagery and would, we would have facilitated conversations with the students. What do you think of visually when you think of, of, of these images? And there's a powerful one you'll see um, in the blue section of the mural, the Statue of Liberty. And she is, uh, she's got wings, but her back is turned towards you. Mm -hmm. And um, that was uh, from one of the historic, historical teachings about Angel Island, which is in kind of the, the, the central coast, the, the Bay Area, um, and it was kind of the Pacific Coast version of, of Ellis Island, right? Where a lot of our Asian Pacific Chinese um, migrants or immigrants that were coming and, and many imprisoned in Angel Island, some of them never even made it to the shore. And if you visit that island, there's, there's poetry uh, carved in, into the wood of the, you know, the, the buildings that, that these folks were, were kind of interned in. Um, and, when the students learned about that bit of history, you know, and, and, and some of what was described in the narratives was um, the people that were trapped there could see San Francisco, they could see the bay. Um, and 
you know, what a what an unfortunate and, and torturous thing it would be for them to, to have to live there. Some of them were stuck there for years and then just forced to return back to Asia. So they never even got to set foot on the land, right? Um, and so it was one of our students that actually said, you know, what I think of when I think of Angel Island is uh, Lady Liberty with her back turned towards us. And that, you know, so the wings represented Angel and Angel Island. Uh, but that America, with this particular population, was not open. Our doors were, were still closed. And so, you know, it wasn't Eliseo that, that came up with that imagery. It was actually a student. But he then converted it into, you know, he used his artwork to create this mock-up. And he, he actually had, I think, three different illustrations of, of the mural. The students actually said, well, I like this, but we need to move it here, and we can take this and put it here. and so what you see now in, in its final iteration is the negotiation of dialogue between the students, between what they learned and, you know, and what was happening in the contemporary time. So it was a wonderful, wonderful kind of social experiment, but also to be able to marry the history component, the social component and the artistic components together, I thought was a wonderful way to celebrate our communities, you know, uh, and, and the, the, the pace in which we did it, you know, it was very, very quickly. Um, I remember, you know, we, we are going to use the entire quarter, uh, it was still a quarter at the time, uh, to, to teach the class, and then we'll, we'll start painting it, and then we will, you know, utilize the winter break to, to, to keep painting it, and by spring it'll, it'll, it'll be done, right? Mm -hmm. We didn't realize that we actually needed a space to paint, because we weren't going to be able to do that in the API Center. Um, we needed, uh, you know, it was going to be too big of a project in, in, the, uh, in the classroom that we were assigned. Um, and so there were all these different hurdles. So we taught part of the class in the class. Then we had to negotiate with the art department to, to, to get a gallery space that we could use to, to do this. And, and so I don't, I don't think I mentioned it, but the, you know, once Eliseo created the mock-up for this, he then took it, it was, it was basically just black and white line art, right? Mm -hmm. And then he, he transferred that image onto a uh, transparency. And then we used your old school overhead projector. Oh, ah. And we put the transparencies on that overhead projector and we actually created, you know, the, 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 the beauty of that mural is it's, it's in panels. So you can, you can move it, right? Because mm -hmm. um, it's in sections, but we had those panels up and we would project the image onto those panels, those blank canvases. And it was actually the students that had traced the imagery. So they, they did the bulk of the work, you know. Eliseo came in throughout to help guide what colors we should use. And then he, at the end, really kind of refined it and used his artistic skill to do all the blending and the shading and, and, and really gave it the depth um, and the beauty that it, it had. But the majority of the, the actual heavy painting that needed to happen, that it was a paint by numbers thing with, with the students. He's like, you know, he would write, literally write numbers on each image and, and he'd, he'd give them some paint. He's like, here, paint number three, or here, paint number two. Um, and, you know, that was not an easy thing, like the, the logistics of that and, and, and finding a space to do it was, was really, really tough. Mm -hmm. uh, but by springtime, it was done. And, and I mentioned, there, there's some photos, I think, floating around somewhere. We actually unveiled that mural outside. It was on the lawn right outside of the API Center. It was not mounted yet. 
And I remember that day really uh, vividly. It was, it was very sunny that day. We, we had a covering over the mural and we were playing music. And it, I, I even remember this, it was a Lea Salonga song when they unveiled, they took off the, 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 the mural um, covering and people started crying. I mean, it was such a powerful thing to see this, you know, this really colorful mural on the lawn, you know, and, and you know, it's big. That's a, that's, a, that's a fairly large piece. People were in the streets stopping. They, they, they were like, what the heck is that? Um, and so people started to gravitate towards the mural. We had our ceremony. We, 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 we made a few speeches. The LA Times was there to, to witness it. And so it was such a moving unveiling. And, and even before that, there was a, a Korean American attorney and the president of the, of, of the nation at the, at the time was Bill Clinton. And he put together a, um, a work group on race to talk about the state of race in, in America. And at the time, it was heavily, heavily binary in, in its content. It was, it was very much a black, white kind of discussion. And so the, the Latino community and the Asian Pacific Islander communities in, in, that, in those discussions were often left out. And, and I'm forgetting her name, but, but the, that particular attorney, I'll, I'll remember and I'll send it to you, but that particular attorney was, was from Los Angeles. And she said, you know, there's segments of our whole population that you're leaving out in this conversation. Um, and to his credit, Bill Clinton was like, well, you know, help us, educate us. And so she went around LA collecting stories and, and she created a mini documentary of the Asian American community in Los Angeles. She heard that we were painting this mural. So she brought her film crew uh, to our class. Wow. And she actually filmed, they, there's, there's footage of us painting this mural and it, and it really warms my heart to know that early on, the president of the United States was part of a conversation about the diversity of America and that we had some part in that and that he visually saw how um, a community was celebrating itself and, and holding its memory in, in, in the form of this, this mural. And so the, the, there was so much richness that, that, that was included in the creation of this thing. You know, it's, it's one of my proudest achievements, actually. You know, it's like, it's one thing to read the legend that's on campus and in just, like, in just reading it, but hearing it from you and the stories behind it, it, it's, it gives you goosebumps, you know, it's, it's such an amazing story. What do you think is the role of murals or art in telling our community story? You know, I think it has a critical role. It's a collective memory. Long before there was the written word, people were illustrating and they were, with, they were handing things down by word of mouth. It actually transcends what we have traditionally understood to be recorded history. And I think murals will continue to celebrate and to remember things in a way that won't often or always be translated by the written word. Some people process very well with language. Mm -hmm. Others are more visual in their learning and more visual in, in their appreciation for, for culture and, and history. As an artist myself, that idea definitely resonates for me. But I also think that there is just kind of an aesthetic to it all that is undeniable. You know, when you walk into that center and you see something like that, it is powerful. It demands attention. 
it proclaims that we can't continue to st be stigmatized as an invincible minority, right? That, that we have a voice, that, that we have a rich collective history, um, and a history that isn't always unanimously embraced, right? We, we didn't create the term Asian American. That was like thrusted upon us. We're a collection of, of hundreds of different ethnicities and cultures. And so this monolith that is Asian Pacific and Desi, there are those of us who, who find more alignment with other ethnicities and other nationalities than we do with our own. But because of the, our history in the United States, you know, we have this collected history. And as the coordinator of the API Center, I, I had to often negotiate that, both for my own identity as a Filipino American, but, but also in, in terms of, you know, what were the types of resources and services that we needed to offer? You know, when you think about Asian Americans, you think about the model minority and, and, and people thriving and doing well academically. But even to this day, uh, that population or that classification of Asian American also uh, represents communities are well below the poverty line, communities that are, that are still disproportionately impacted in, in regards to their, their student success. Uh, when you think about our Pacific Islander populations, when you think about our Southeast Asian populations, um, they're not the ones that, that would represent what has traditionally been uh, deemed the model minority. When you put everybody and lump everybody together like that, it, it can often be very, very problematic when you're fighting for resources or when you're trying to advocate for change um, and people are saying, what, what do you need change for? You guys are doing great. The, the mural shows the richness of the diversity in our communities. It shows that we've all gone through very different things, but because we have been put together, there is a tapestry here now that, that, that shows something rich and vibrant. What part of the mural speaks the most to you? There are some, some images in there of, of, of people that I certainly that they have been my ancestors, you know, Carlos Bulasan, um, the, the author of America's in the Heart. He's on the mural. Ron Takaki's in the mural, the, the, the author of Strangers from a Different Shore. There's also Sen Senator Daniel Inouye, has since passed away, but um, he was a World War II uh, Medal of Honor recipient, part of the 442nd, um, the most highly decorated unit in American history. You know, as a military veteran myself, someone who served in the Marine Corps, uh, when I saw and learned about Senator Inouye and, and the work he had done in Hawaii uh, to fight for the rights of his community, I stand on his shoulders. I continue to prosper because of his leadership and, and the tireless efforts that, that he pursued, you know, with, within the Asian American community. So, so throughout your, your years in CPP, how have you seen the campus change? Let me tell you, when I first started as, as a coordinator, my budget was so small, I was literally going from department to department asking if I could, I could have some staples. That's not, oh, wow. that's not an exaggeration. I, I, I had to be strategic about how I was going to spend my money because I didn't have very much. So the fact that you all can afford shirts right now <laughs> is, <laughs> is, is um, leaps and bounds from where I started. So that's great. You know, I, I certainly see the evolution that has occurred. I think that uh, people's understanding of identity, people's understanding of and, and value for equity and inclusion is, is far more sophisticated. Uh, back in the 90s, the student leadership at the time was really ruled by the Greeks, the traditionally white male-dominated Greeks that were often the 
the student body presidents and you know and the folks who were in ASI. I, I see it now being far more inclusive. That could not have happened without the courage and the work um, that, that happened years ago in terms of students and, and, and faculty and staff saying, no, we have a place here as well. What do you want people to know about the APISC? Um, you know, that it's very much a vibrant part of the campus. I think that it's, it, you all are celebrating um, a quarter century of, of history. I'm proud to be part of that history. I'm, par I'm proud to, to continue to be part of the legacy that continues to grow as a result of, of, of starting it. I would want people to know that, that, that it was not by happenstance, that we continue to stand on shoulders of people who were standing on other shoulders, that this work is not by accident, that, that, that people are intentional, that they are, they're proud and that they are leaders in their own right to be able to provide hope and opportunity for the, the people that are coming after them. And I think about your, your new incoming first time student who is looking, looking for a place of belonging and looking for their own sense of space and, and, and opportunity in their educational experience. And if that center offers just even a glimmer of hope for them, like, oh, there's, there's a space here for me, or oh, um, that's a resource that I can tap into if needed, then we're doing our job. That's the thing that, that I, I think is, is, is so endearing and, um, and enduring in terms of the legacy that, that, that the API and, and, and the rest of the cultural centers have at Cal Poly Pomona. You know, you, you mentioned that you stand in shoulders of giants and then, and then we stand in your shoulders because you're the one who actually broke trail. You know, you, you forged that path for, for people like us. And when, um, when you speak about the APISC being a welcome center, you know, I can speak with experience of my, my first semester on campus, you know, like coming into the space, it, it's, it's so welcoming, you know, like stepping in through those doors, seeing the mural, it, like, I was in awe. It's like, wow, like, there's actually a space for me to, um, to belong on this campus. Uh, and that, that's very important because on campus, you really want to build your, your own community on campus. And I thank you for that. Hearing you say that and, and the, the impact that that may have had even in your own kind of uh, experience on campus, it, 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 it truly warms my heart. It, it means more than you'll know. To finalize the questions, um, what is the legacy of the cultural centers? I think the legacy is really about bringing to light, you know, so many stories and voices and issues. When I think about education, particularly in California, why they created the UCs and the CSUs and, and, and the community colleges, and, you know, that plan albeit very organized, was not developed with the idea of success for all people. It's embedded with, with very kind of elitist, if not racist, intentions. The CSUs in, in, you know, in their early stages were not created or set up for the, for the student populations that exist now. It, it, you know, it, it was trying to, trying to fit around peg into a square hole. And, and it's the effort in ethnic and women's studies, it's, it's, it's the cultural centers, 
it's student organizations and student activism, it's agency within these communities that, that, that move us beyond what that original structure and intent was to complicate it and to, to, to say, no, this doesn't fit us. It doesn't represent who we are as a community or me as a student. It doesn't speak to my, my lived experience and it certainly does not speak to my potential to be successful academically. Through the centers, it gives students a voice and a vehicle to, to do just that, to foster a sense of hope for themselves, but, but, but for others, and, and to, uh, to be empowered and validated for who they are and to, to go through their educational experience unapologetic about who they are and that, that their history and culture is every bit as much an important factor in their success as you know, other things around their, their ability to persist and, 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 and succeed. And so if we, can, if we can play any part of that in, in, in our work in cultural, you know, culture diversity and inclusion work, then you know, we're honoring them and we are living up to our own kind of mission of, of student success. Wow. Thank you very much, Louis, for, for taking the time to sit with us and, and, and conversing. But we also want to thank you all for, for stopping on in and checking us out. Um, I hope you enjoyed our time here. A special thanks again to Dr. Louis Amador for joining us. Thank you, Louis. Thank you. It's been an honor. I, and, and I do want to say happy 25th anniversary to the, to the API Student Center as well as the other cultural centers. Cal Poly Pomona will always be a very special place in my heart. It was, it was one of the first institutions that I ever worked at. And that center will always, always be near and dear to me. 